Religious candidates are getting tremendous scrutiny in the presidential race. Is there historical precedent for this? We'll ask historian David Barton. And Barack Obama now has Ted Kennedy's endorsement. How much of a boost will it give Obama? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I feel, I feel change in the air. What about you? All right, that's Senator Ted Kennedy. He endorsed Barack Obama for President of the United States. Today, here's Senator Kennedy again. I know that he's ready to be president on day one. Okay, that's Senator Kennedy addressing really the youth question that Obama, relatively young, relatively unexperienced, but here's what happened over the weekend. Barack Obama trounced Hillary Clinton in South Carolina, doubling, over doubling her vote count in South Carolina. Absolutely fascinating. A lot of excitement on the Democrat side for Barack Obama. We're going to be talking about that today. And what kind of president do we need? As Christians, what are the qualities, the characteristics, what are the issues that are important for President of the United States? Tonight, President Bush is giving a State of the Union speech. It will be his final speech. And here is the Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi saying what she thinks the president ought to say. The president should abandon his usual defense of the status quo and speak in as a statement to the American people about what we need to do for the future. Okay, that's Pelosi. She doesn't want the status quo. She uh, wants more abortions. She wants homosexual marriage. She wants higher taxes. And she wants the president to do it her way. Her approval rating, by the way, less than half. Congress is less than half of what his is right now, even though his is an all-time low. Here is uh, on the Democrat side of the Senate, uh, the leader, Harry Reid. I think the president has to recognize that Iraq has been a real down drag on our economy and on our military. Okay, they wanted us to cut and run when uh, we were, quote, losing in the media. Now we're winning. Had we done what the the Democrats wanted, uh, the president really would have been ashamed tonight or embarrassed. I think he's going to go in there, Pena, uh, with a lot of courage that Mm -hmm. uh, the Petraeus strategy worked. He's going to talk about the way forward in Iraq. Let me just tell folks right now, we're going to have special coverage tonight. 
the State of the Union Address at 8 o'clock on KCBI 90.9, and I'll be providing commentary with the news team right after the President's speech. So stay tuned tonight. This is the place to get a Christian review of the State of the Union Address. The only place. Well, Senator Barack Obama did get this major endorsement, something he'd been going after for a while from Senator Ted Kennedy. How much difference does this make? Is this a huge boost, especially coming after this big win in South Carolina? We're going to ask Democrat campaign strategist Carl Jeffers how much mileage Obama will get out of this. And uh, also, should the Clinton campaign make any changes in strategy? Also, Gordon Hinckley, president of the Mormon Church, died yesterday. Phil Roberts, who is at Midwestern Seminary, an expert on Mormonism, will join us to talk about that and also the rise of Mitt Romney. Okay, Penna, we've been looking at this verse now for a week or two. It's Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. What does that mean for us as Christians in the United States of America? I think it means at least this. It's important. Who serves as president of the United States? And there's been more discussion this year about the role of religion in presidential politics than any um, election that I can remember. But with us to talk about that concept historically, uh, we've brought in the expert, and that is David Barton. He's founder and president of Wall Builders. Uh, David is a frequent guest here on Jerry Johnson Live. David, welcome back to the program. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right, David, let's talk about this cycle. Have you ever seen uh, so much talk of religion in presidential politics and in your study of history, really, uh, is there something that would uh, match or equal this in the American history? Well, there, there were certainly some presidential elections that talked about God and religion a whole bunch. Um, for example, the election of 1800 did so, but it probably had a lot more negatives attached to it than this one did. Instead of candidates saying, I, I'm the most god God talk candidate out there, <laughs> the election of 1800 said he's not the most god talk candidate. So most of the writing was on how... Uh, negative the other one was, uh, as opposed to, to this one, where everybody's trying to attach themselves to the God coattails. All right, David, let me, uh, you know, the big news today, of course, was Ted Kennedy came out and endorsed Barack and Obama. i tell you, I was so disappointed in, in that, because when he said that he was announcing there's change in the air, I, I was taking that to mean he's going to announce his retirement, and I was just <laughs> real disappointed that wasn't changed. <laughs> Too bad. Well, let me play a piece of this sound uh, from Ted Kennedy endorsing Obama. My friends, I ask you to join in this historic journey to have the courage to choose change. It's time again for a new generation of leadership. It is time now for Barack Obama. Okay, that's Ted Kennedy for Obama. And, uh, David, he's emphasizing the change theme. You know, I'm always amazed when people take the polls. Uh, is America heading in the right direction or the wrong direction? And, and someone will say, well, uh, the majority thinks we're going in the wrong direction. And then they presume upon that that we need to move left yeah. and that we need to go liberal. Now I want to play one soundbite from Barack Obama on religion. And I want to ask you how you feel, what you think about uh, these statements he's making, Barack Obama, on religion in America. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, and a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. And even if we did have only Christians in our midst, 
If we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the schools? All right, David, uh, analyze that statement, would you? Uh, one word, stupid. <laughs> Do I need to go past that? Um, see, this is the problem he does. He does not define what a Christian nation is. Uh, much, much to his demonstration of his lack of history, a Christian nation is not whether everyone in the nation is Christian, how, what percentage is Christian, uh, anything like that. It is a reflection of the fact that Christianity is at the base of the institutions and forms the culture of that society. So if he objects to Christian nation, then let's take out the republicanism that we've enjoyed because that's a direct fruit of Christianity, direct fruit of Exodus and other, other Bible verses. If he does not like and does not want a Christian nation, then let's get, uh, let's get rid of the institutional separation of church and state because that's what Christianity brought in. They're the first ones uh, in over 1,700 years. Well, actually, it started back about 500 years ago where they said, look, the government should not be running the church. The two institutions need to separate. Influence is fine. Separation is not. So I guess he wants to get rid of separation church and state institutionally. I guess it also means that he can't distinguish between the theological and the behavioral sides of Christianity because we still to this day have good Samaritan laws in the books across the nation. We still teach the golden rule. Those are Christian teachings, uh, and they're taught by to, to all people, whether they're atheists, Jews, Buddhists, whatever. See, he, he, he makes this mistake of saying Christian nation means we're all 100% Christians. I'm Muslim. Uh, well, actually, he's United Church of Christ, Muslim background. United Church of Christ is, is one of the most liberal of all Christian denominations. And so what he's got here is a complete red herring. Uh, but even past that, see, that if, if you want to take his definition, the most recent polling says that 85% of the nation still says that it's Christian. Now, if 85% of any nation said it was Muslim, I would assume that to be a Muslim nation. 85% of any nation says it's Jewish, I would assume that to be a Jewish nation. He doesn't even use his own definitions consistently. Uh, so, so there's real problem with his understanding of history and his rhetoric as well. David Barton is with us. He's president of Wall Builders, and he's a historian. So, David, would you say now that we would still define ourselves as a Christian nation, and is there a sense in which this election is about that? Well, we definitely define ourselves as a Christian nation even to this day. And it's interesting to me that every nation in the world except America considers America a Christian nation. We're the ones trying to run from that label. Uh, you ask any European nation, you ask any, any Muslim nation, you ask any Buddhist or Hindu nation, everybody says America is a Christian nation. And it's not because that, that we require everyone to go to church. Again, it's our characteristics. It's our overall belief system. Um, I, I w I've struck even recently by America is, is so benevolent in so many ways. We're the only nation that wants to turn our government to really helping others in need. And that is a direct fruit of Christianity, and that's demonstrable. The secular governments do not do that. Muslim governments do not do that. Hindus do not. No other government does that, and that's a direct fruit of Christianity. And the Founding Fathers pointed that time after time after time. They said, look, here's what Jesus teaches. Here's what we've incorporated in the culture. Our culture is so Christian that even atheists today have Christian convictions without even recognizing the source of them. And if they doubt that, compare atheists in America with atheists in France or atheists in Spain or atheists in Germany or anywhere else. Uh, we have a whole different value set. So, yes, by and large today we're still a Christian nation by the traditional definition, and that is that the, the, the culture and the institutions have been formed and shaped by the teachings of Christianity. And we still have that, that cultural leftover today. Now, uh, do we have a lot of people who actually think that way? Probably not, not consciously. I mean, they, they accept Christian 
uh, teachings without realizing the source. But I, I'd say we're still a Christian nation. The most recent polling I saw, 71, and this is about six months ago, 71% of the nation still says that we are a Christian nation, and that's 71%. And that's a whole lot more than Republicans or Democrats or independents. That's across the board. Let me ask you this, David, because it's one thing for Obama to say uh, that the Muslim or the Buddhist or the Hindus are here, but um, let me ask you this question. And, and about by the, the way, Jerry, let me jump in on that for just a second, sure. because I, that that point is, and, and in your next point, Obama, I mean, the Muslims were in America in 1619. Uh, Hindus had already built a temple in America at the time of the Founding Fathers. Uh, you, you had Jews who had built temples in America, synagogues in America, by 1654. I mean, we always invited other religions in, and that is the fourth characteristic of a Christian nation. Is it a free? It is a free market nation. The traditional Christian nations that were monarchical before the Reformation, it was coercive. Christianity belong will kill anybody else. A Reformation Christian nation like America is, it takes the approach that Jesus took and whoever will. You know, we put it all out there. Paul goes to Mars Hill and says, I see the temples to all these other, I see the, the, the items to all these other gods, but here's Jesus. Here's the one you don't know about yet. Let me tell you, we always believe that when you put the truth out, it wins. So we're not scared of other religions, and we always invited other religions to be here. We just made sure that Christianity was not suppressed so that it could have the same voice. So within that framework, and by the way, even Keith Ellison, who is the Muslim elected to Congress this past session, the media was saying, oh, that's our first Muslim elected Congress. No, 1799, John Randolph Groenhoek was Muslim elected to Congress at the time of the Founding Fathers. Now, that first Muslim was actually converted to Christianity by Francis Scott Key, which is the, the way that Christians approach conversion, no coercion. Uh, but but the, the, the thought that we might not have had religions back then that we have today is crazy. John Adams gives a list of about 20 religions that fought in the American Revolution, and it sounds just like America today. All right, David. David Barton is our guest, founder and president of Wall Builders. David will be coming back after the break. I want to remind you this begins our God and Country Week here at Criswell College and on KCBI. Tomorrow we begin the lecture series with Dr. Richard Land at 10 a.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Dr. Richard Land at 10 a.m. in the morning right here at Criswell College. He'll be speaking on America one Nation Under God, talking about his book, The Divided States of America. We're going to continue on this theme for the rest of the show. The State of the Union tonight at 8 o'clock. I'll be providing commentary after that broadcast. When we come back, could Muslim, Buddhist, and Hindu religions provide the foundation for the freedoms and the Declaration of Independence? We're going to talk about it when we come back. Churches all over town. Christian Radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll here if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. With Barack Obama, we will turn the page on the old politics of misrepresentation and distortion. With, with Barack Obama, we will close the book on the old politics of race against race, gender against gender, ethnic group against ethnic group, and straight against gay. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. That's Ted Kennedy today endorsing Senator Barack Obama as President of the United States. Our guest to talk about this is David Barton. He's President founder of Wall Builders. Uh, David, welcome back to the program. Hey, I notice you've been doing some work, American history in black and white. And I have to ask you about this because of something that Kennedy just mentioned. Yeah. Um, he talked about racial politics. And a lot of people have said over the last week and a half that Bill Clinton has been playing the race card in South Carolina uh, to try to create some kind of a white backlash against Barack Obama. Do you think he's doing that? And could you give us some historical analysis of this? Well, I, it's, it's possible he's doing that. I, you know, it, it's really hard to tell because when you do things right, you do it without fingerprints, at, at least in the political world. So if he's actually doing that, then uh, unless he really makes a huge blunder, you'll never be able to know that he, that he did it. So is it possible? Absolutely, because I mean that has been that has been the mantra uh, within that group. As you're able to turn one group against another, and, and no one probably did that better than Bill Clinton, and and he will use any group to that to that means and end. And see, that's one of the things that people sometimes forget is that you have a certain set that the end justifies the means. And if the objective is to get Hillary or whoever elected, then the end does justify the means. And so we think, oh, he wouldn't be doing that. Well, it's very possible that they would be doing that because it takes a God-centered ethic and a biblical approach to say that, no, there are lines that I will not cross. Um, so I, I think that's very possible. You know, historically, this has certainly been something that has been done a, a number of times is to appeal to people's prejudices. Um, I, but this time I think they have a lot more going against them than simply that. I mean, there is a huge negative uh, of Hillary in the South, period. Uh, and it's just that way. I mean, here in Texas, our polling in Texas shows that right now, in one of the most Democrat areas of the state of Texas, that if Hillary becomes the nominee for the Democrats, the Republican candidate there will get a 15, will get a 14 point bump simply because she's the, the candidate. I mean, she has the highest negatives of any of the seven remaining major candidates in the race on either side. Well, I guess there's actually still 10 in there officially. But the seven major ones, her, her negatives are 47% which gives her only three points to work with. I mean, most of the nations have made up their minds. So, so she really has difficulty. Either you're going to love her or you're going to hate her. She's going to win a bunch more of the primaries than Super Duper Tuesday. She got her clock clean in South Carolina. But I think that's reflective of what we've seen across the South. So whatever bill may try there, I don't think is going to have much impact um, because her negatives are just too high. David Barton is with us. David, I want to ask a, a different question about a Republican candidate uh, who is uh, one of the front runners right now, Mitt Romney, because his Mormonism has been brought up. And I want to know throughout history if Mormonism on the part of a candidate, not, not president we know, but any others, ever was brought up as a negative factor in a campaign that you know of. Well, it's been brought up in a number of campaigns, and especially uh, back in the late 1800s, as, as you had individual candidates running for state office particularly, because at 
at that point, the Mormon religion was very strong in a lot of the Western territories, not only Utah Territory, but Idaho Territory, uh, Nevada Territory, uh, Arizona Territory. And as candidates would run for state legislature, you had federal laws that prohibited polygamy. And at that time, the Mormon Church was still promoting mm-hmm. polygamy. They do not now. But at that time, that was an issue. So, yes, it's been brought up a number of times. And one of the things that has surrounded the Romney campaign, with which I totally disagree, is in the news, uh, a new movie that's out, etc., is Article 6. The Constitution prohibits a religious test, therefore Romney's Mormon faith should not be an issue. That is nonsense. Article 6 of the Constitution prohibits a religious test imposed by the federal government to right. choose someone. It allows voters to choose any test <laughs> right. they want. You can use a religious test, an anti-religious test, a secular... You can use any test you want to you in your own mind. Te- and we do. And the nonsense that's out there that, that is suggesting to people that they should not use a religious test because of the Constitution is completely errant uh, rhetoric. Now, if people think, you know, Mormonism doesn't matter to me, fine, that, that's fine. But don't tell someone that I shouldn't look at their faith because Article 6 of the Constitution, that is totally wrong. Hey, let me ask you this question, David. Uh, going back to the Obama speech, let's listen to that one more time. I have a very specific question to ask you. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. All right, David, here's my question. Um, Certainly these people have always been here. You've documented that. But I want to ask you a question about the Declaration of Independence. When it says we're endowed by the Creator with these rights, the right to life, the right to liberty, the pursuit of happiness, could we have come to that conclusion at the founding of America with the Muslim worldview, the Buddhist worldview, or the Hindu worldview? Is that only possible through the Judeo-Christian worldview? It is only possible, and that is clearly demonstrated by the fact that across the world today, to this very point, you look at any other nation that is Buddhist or that is Hindu or that is Muslim or that is secular, and none of them to this day hold inalienable rights to be true. Not a, not a single one of them. And I have to point out that even in what I'm going to call non-Republican Christian nations, I use a small r, not a big r, monarchical versus, versus Republican, this very week I bought a newspaper from 1776 in Great Britain where the Great Britain had just seen for the first time the Declaration of Independence. And this British newspaper, 1776, was going through a line-by-line analysis of it, and they said, this is the most stupid thing that we've ever heard. They're saying that there are self-evident rights. There are no self-evident rights. (laughs) They're saying that there's inalienable rights, the right to life, that that is not true. Life comes from the choice of government. And, And they said they even say that all men are created equal. And we know that's not true because you have classes, you have races, etc., and even that concept in Britain was a radical concept. It's only where the Bible was free and openly known and openly taught that you have that concept. And to this day, there is not another government in the world of any other religion that embraces the rights that we still believe to be self-evident. David, final question. You've been involved in politics as well, um, activist. Uh, what's your read right now on the Republican side, and uh, do you have a candidate? Are you endorsing anyone yet? Well, I have I have preferences and priorities. We actually did a voter's guide of the remaining Republican candidates, and based on those those important issues, biblical issues, et cetera, uh, I do have preferences. Um, the, what, what I'm seeing right now is the way the polling looks exactly today. If Super Duper Tuesday comes in, in the week or so that, that's off, 
it looks to me like we're going to be going into the national convention without any single person that is the front runner, and it may be the first time since '76 that the convention itself actually chooses wow. the nominee uh, for the party, which that'll be a, a new thing in recent modern history anyway. Uh, but I think it'll boil down to three guys controlling 85, 90% of the delegates, and then they'll have to choose past that. Wow. David Barton, president, founder of Wall Builders, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Penna. Bless you guys. All right, folks, and this is God and Country Week here at Criswell College, KCBI. In fact, we have a CD um, that uh, you'll want to get on One Nation Under God. It's that debate between Alan Dershowitz and Dr. Richard Land and David Barton we had here just a couple of months ago on Jerry Johnson Live. And we're going to be giving out that CD tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock at the Criswell Theological Lectures. Now, these are open to the public. Dr. Land will be here at 10 o'clock. It's free. There's no charge. Sounds you like a pretty good deal. Come down to Gaston and Haskell in East Dallas or just look us up on the website, website, criswell.edu or jerryjohnsonlive.com. And uh, we want you to come. The first 25 people that come and say, I heard about this on Jerry Johnson Live, will get a free CD, One Nation Under God. After that, we'll give them out for any size donation to uh, Criswell College. So we invite you to come. And you can hear more of David Barton on this CD, but Dr. Land tomorrow. Well, we do have on the Republican side, really now, a two-man race uh, for the lead, and that is John McCain and Mitt Romney. Let's listen now to John McCain. Our nation's security is, is, is our foremost obligation to our people. We all know that. Okay, sounds kind of tired there, but he is the national security candidate. Here's McCain again. I'm proud to have been part of the Reagan revolution that began the most the great longest period of prosperity in American history. All right, he's 71 years old, sounding a little old there. <laughs> he was sort of part of the Reagan Revolution. And so, uh, but he is emphasizing national security because he is um, a hero. He is a war hero. And, POW. Uh, and he knows a lot about defense. And he was the one that was pushing for this Petraeus strategy long before anyone else. And uh, credit where credit's due. But uh, Romney's probably stronger on the economy. Here's Mitt Romney. He was thinking about being John Kerry's running mate. He gave that some thought. That is, that had someone asked me that question, there, there would not have been a nanosecond of thought about it. It would have been an immediate laugh. Okay, that's Romney criticizing McCain because he is so bipartisan sometimes that he really compromises conservative constitutional principles. You look at the McCain-Feingold campaign finance, and there have been many instances where McCain compromises in the name of bipartisanship. Bipartisanship, He'll compromise conservative. Or he really believes it. Our constitutional principles. Well, that's true. Here's Romney again on Democrats that want to change. You see the Democrats that are out there pushing their message, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, calling people to change America, and they will change America. They'll take us down a road towards Europe slow growth and and stagnation it's the wrong way to go all right which way america we're about to decide in the next seven months how should you decide when we come back we'll be talking with carl jeffers about bill clinton is bill clinton playing the race card and the president of the mormon church is dead hinkley we're going to talk to phil roberts about mormonism and link that back to mitt romney and his run for the presidency.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I feel, I feel change in the air. What about you? All right, that's Senator Ted Kennedy at this huge pep rally today where he and his family endorsed Senator Barack Obama for President of the United States. And I want to remind you of uh, the way Kennedy talked about Obama some time ago. Why don't we just ask Osama, bin Laden, uh, Osama Obama, uh, Obama what there is uh, since um, he won by such a big amount. All right, what's going on with the Kennedys endorsing Barack Obama, not Hillary Clinton. With us to talk about it is Carl Jeffers. He's political analyst for the Seattle Times, also has his own political talk show, and regularly does analysis for us here, especially on the Democrat side. Carl, welcome back. Good, Jerry. Good to be with you today. Here's my question, Carl. Um, what in the world has gotten into Senator Kennedy? Not only did he not garble the name this time, but uh, this was uh, a magical, mystical uh, pep rally, and um, he is caught up in this Obama euphoria. What does this mean for Hillary Clinton? Well, for Hillary Clinton, uh, and I appreciate how you described it, magical kind of moment, that word is probably the best word I've heard yet to describe it for what most people felt watching it. It was magical. Uh, the good news for Hillary Clinton is that the speech itself was not delivered in prime time. The bad news for Hillary Clinton is that Ted Kennedy is probably going to deliver the same speech in prime time at the dominating convention in Denver. And wow. might even be, in fact, putting Barack Obama's name into nomination. So that, that's the bad news. Now They should show a video of it. They shouldn't try to redo it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he looked awfully good today. <laughs> yeah, right. We'd like to call everyone's attention to the big screen, right, uh, Jerry? Sure. Hey, let me ask you this, though, Carl. I want to listen to another quote from this speech because I think people, even if they're conservatives like I am, uh, they need to really understand how effective this speech was today for the other side. And I want to play this soundbite now of Kennedy on the war. Like others before us can unite to meet our own rendezvous with destiny, we know the true record of Barack Obama. There is the courage when so many others were silent or simply went along. From the beginning, he opposed the war in Iraq. And let no one deny that truth. Carl, here's my question. This was a PR victory, a style victory, an image victory. But this is Ted Kennedy, the one man who doesn't mind being called a liberal. He's proud of that. And does this mean, this endorsement, that Obama is to the left of Hillary on the issues? And he brought up the war. Hillary voted for the war. Obama against the war. Is Obama to the left of Clinton on taxes, on health care. Tell our people what they need to know. Well, it's okay, thanks, uh, Jerry. The actuality is that there's virtually not a dime's bit of, a bit of difference between Hillary and, and Obama on the issues as they are argued today. He says 
If he had been in the Senate, he would have voted against the resolution. Hillary did vote for the resolution, and she can argue that the resolution was not, in fact, a resolution to go to war, but it was to authorize the president to finish the negotiations with the U.N. and the inspectors and then come back. So, so the reality is what they're arguing about mostly between them is the past and intangibles like race. On the issues, the only real substantive difference in their position is on mandated versus unmandated single-payer coverage in the health care plan. Outside of that, and, and basically what that means to our listeners, Hillary's plan provides a way for her to pay for it. Uh, uh, Barack Obama's plan leaves a lot of people out because he, at this point he doesn't have a way to pay for it outside of running additional uh, deficits. But outside of that, they are really lockstep and barrel on the issues, and, and Barack Obama has a sentimental attachment to those on the left, on the far left, because they feel that by being able to argue that he was against the war from the beginning uh, and didn't support it and Hillary voted for the resolution, that that makes him more of one of their own and that Hillary somehow has waffled on that. But the fact is, they both have the same position as to what to do about the war now. And, and that's, that's the reality. The other thing that I would just mention very quickly is that uh, you mentioned about the earlier on when you introduced the segment, how in the world did Ted Kennedy get to this position? I should point out to our listeners that, in fact, when Barack Obama first considered running for president, he talked to Ted Kennedy. Hmm. He has, in fact, uh, uh, gone to him for advice, just as he has to Colin Powell, and he has considered them mentors. And there is the issue of the Kennedys, particularly Ted Kennedy, feeling that Bill Clinton had exacerbated the issue of race in the Democratic primary in South Carolina. Let me jump in here, Carl, because I want to ask you about race while we still have time. And, of Mm -hmm. course, Hillary lost by a lot more than was expected in South Carolina. And the Clinton campaign was talking about sort of clamping down on Bill Clinton. But after the, uh, the election on Saturday, here's what Bill Clinton said. What does it say about Barack Obama that it takes two of you to beat him? <laughs> That's just debate, too. Jesse Jackson won South Carolina twice in 84 and 88. And he ran a good campaign. And Senator Obama's run a good campaign. He's run a good campaign everywhere. He's, got a, he's, a, he's a good candidate with a good organization. Bill Clinton trying to give a compliment, uh, but really comparing Barack Obama to Jesse Jackson in in that interview. Now, later, activist Al Sharpton on ABC's The View called on Bill Clinton. Of course, he's been speaking of race while campaigning for Hillary. He said Bill needs to be quiet. Is race in terms of solutions going to play a part? I think that we are hearing race charges, race tinged rhetoric. No one knows how you're going to close the race gap in employment, the race gap in health care. And, you know, I, I, I've agreed and disagreed when President Clinton was president. I wasn't an insider. I, in fact, I marched on him. And then we've had a good relationship. But I think that it's time for him to just be quiet. I think it's time for him to stop. As one of the most outspoken people in America, there's a time to shut up. And I think that time has come. All right. The Clinton campaign is definitely using race. There's no question about it. The question that is, though, Carl, is that are they doing a good job of it? Are they effective? Are they going to be effective with this? Or is Bill Clinton like a bull in a china shop here? 
Well, we'd probably need more time to, to get into that, and I may not be the best person to address that issue with you, Penna, because the reason uh, uh, for my position is that the Clinton campaign has not used race in the way that it has been perceived and projected by the media, and just your statement there, that without question, they've injected race in. I will tell you two events that happened. The, the issue of, this is a big fairy tale, that's when it all started, when Bill Clinton right. made that comment. But the, immediately, the black community became enraged and said that he was essentially questioning Barack Obama's ability to be elected because he was black. And the media yeah, picked they, up They on did it. morph his, that statement, but, but that things statement have changed. But that nothing to do with race. It was about positions on the war. And, and the same thing when he, when he talked about it in the debate. Now, the reality is you, you played the quote about Jesse Jackson. What Bill Clinton was responding to was the question of how it was that he did so well in South Carolina. And he was making an historical point. Jesse Jackson did do well in South Carolina twice. Why? Because the majority of the voters in the Democratic primary in South Carolina are African American. But isn't that the point, uh, precisely the point, mm -hmm. that people voted for Jackson because he was black, they voted for Obama because he was black, and isn't that the point, actually, that's, that's so uh, harmful that uh, the saying that people are voting based upon race? Well, you see, Jerry, you've just touched on the real issue here. My argument is, is that America has not begun yet to have the kind of conversation about race that would enable enough Americans in November, when it's a different campaign, to feel comfortable enough to go behind the curtain, pull it closed, and then vote for an African-American in order to get the conversation started. So my concern is that what you're saying is exactly the case. I was saddened by what was going on in the Democratic Party, but I think it's only a prelude to what will happen yeah. in November. All right, Carl, we got to go. Sorry about that. We'll have you back soon, okay? My pleasure. I look forward to it. Carl Jefferson. Thank Thanks, you so Carl. much. All right. Over on the Republican side, uh, let's not forget we have Mitt Romney and John McCain and Mike Huckabee down in Florida slugging it out. And again, Mitt Romney is a Mormon. And uh, that's going to come up again, I think, uh, in the news today, tomorrow, because the Mormon leader, Gordon Hinckley, died yesterday at age 97. And I think a lot of Americans are still a little confused about Mormonism, if this should factor at all in their decision to vote for or against Romney. And with us to talk about it is an expert on Mormonism, Dr. Phil Roberts. He's also president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Dr. Roberts, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jerry. Great to be back with you today. All right. Dr. Roberts, would you just tell us about Gordon Hinckley, his death, the significance of his life, and what do people need to know about this man and Mormonism? Well, as you said, Jerry, he died at 97, uh, a long-time Mormon, temple married uh, back in, I believe, 1937. Wow. Had uh, a multitude of uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh, was apparently pretty vibrant until the end, and the press release said today from the Mormon Church that he had had a busy week the last couple weeks in the office and had speaking engagements, so he was not senile, et cetera, and wow. so forth, like some of the Mormon leaders in the past, Ezra <laughs> Benson and others had become. So a very vivacious man. I remember uh, being out in Salt Lake in 1998, and we went to a visit of the Office of the First Presidency with the then president of the SBC, Dr. Tom Ellick, and the uh, potential president to, to follow him, and that was Dr. Patterson, Dr. Bob Record, and 
uh, we were all in the office there at the First Presidency and had a visit. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley chose at that time to be away in Europe, so I, I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but I think he knew when Southern Baptists were coming, and he definitely was not in Salt Lake City. Hey, Dr. Roberts, we're up on a hard break. Can you come back in a couple of minutes? All right. I'll hang right here. And we'll also be talking about Mitt Romney and his Mormonism. Should that affect your vote for or against Mitt Romney for President of the United States? We'll be right back. Churches all over town. Christian radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll here if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Crystal Communications. Let me assure you that no authorities of my church, or of any other church for that matter, will ever exert influence on presidential decisions. All right, that's Mitt Romney. He's running for president of the United States. He talked about authorities. Authorities. Well, one of those authorities, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of the Mormons, Gordon Hinckley, Died yesterday at age 97. With us to talk about it is Dr. Phil Roberts, an expert in Mormonism, also president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Dr. Roberts, welcome back. Here's my question. Um, Mitt Romney now emerging uh, with John McCain as the two front runners in the presidential race for the Republicans. Um, I think at some point, evangelical Christians are going to have to really grapple with this question. Are they willing to vote for a Mormon or this Mormon um, or against him based upon his Mormonism? Uh, What kind of insight can you give these Christians? Well, I would say, Jerry, it'd be very difficult for me to vote for a Mormon because, for one thing, it definitely gives a calling card to every Mormon missionary on the face of the globe in terms of their importance and significance. It provides an entree for them as well. It will help to exponentially lift the Mormon Church to a level of acceptability, at least in the mind of a lot of people who don't understand what Mormonism is all about, that in my thinking is unacceptable. So it's legitimizing a cult. It is. It's legitimizing a cult. When uh, Mitt Romney is elected president, if, let's say, were, uh, the situation is we'd have the first president in American history that would not have a clearly Christian worldview, at least nominally so. Taft, I think, was a Unitarian, so uh, you could argue that he was not, and so forth, but at least in in the last century or so, he will be the first president to, in my estimation, not have a clear
clearly Christian worldview, at least in a nominal sense. You know, during the height of the Cold War, Dr. Roberts, a lot of liberals um, made a big deal about Ronald Reagan using the word Armageddon, that he he was very interested in eschatology and end times prophecy. And uh, I think it is interesting that people would know what is the eschatology of Mormonism? What is their view of the end times? Well, I would label it not Jesus is coming again so much as Joseph is coming again, because uh, Mormonism teaches that not only Jesus will come back, but he's bringing the Mormon presidents with him. So Gordon B. Hinckley is going to come back with Jesus. Joseph Smith will be right there next to Jesus. And all those Mormon presidents will be given the responsibility to judge the generations that uh, were in existence when they served as Mormon president. And what uh, what about America? What's the future of America in this scheme? In, in the uh, Mormon uh, understanding, there will come a crisis, a constitutional crisis in America, and, and Mormonism will basically come to the rescue and to save it out of a disaster and dissolution. So Mormonism is very important, not only in the ultimate schema eschatologically for the world, but also for the United States itself. And isn't there a headquarters, that uh, some kind of prophetic headquarters in America? Well, yes. Uh, Independence, uh, Missouri, right close by where we are, uh, Jerry. In fact, uh, it's the best excuse I know, if you believe Mormonism, to buy real estate around here. But the thing about, <laughs> the thing about it is they believe Jesus' millennial headquarters will be based in Jerusalem, partly, but also in Independence, Missouri. And what do they base that on? They base that on the prophecy of a false prophet, Joseph Smith. Uh, Last question, just as sort of a political question. Do you think that uh, the opposition, uh, the Democrats, for instance, uh, as an October surprise, would, would bring up this prophetic eschatological vision for America and say, you know, what about this? candidate Romney? Well, I think if if, the, uh, if it's the case Mitt Romney is a Republican candidate, the Democrats will do all they can to discredit him, and his religion is one aspect, key, clear aspect to discrediting, and I think uh, there's some validity to that. That's the uh, the saddening part about him possibly becoming a candidate. Dr. And Phil- by the way, I just encourage the readers uh, and the listeners, that is, hey, it is not against our constitutional rights to use your religious discretion when you vote for or against a candidate. That's not against any kind of constitutional concern. While some people say, hey, if you have a religious conviction, you can't use that when you go into the polling booth. That's absolutely false. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Article 6 prohibits the government from establishing a religious test, not individuals. (laughs) Okay. Dr. Phil Roberts, thank you for being with us, and we'll have you back again. My pleasure. All right. Penna tonight. Um, the current president of the United States will be giving a State of the Union. And uh, I just want to invite the listeners to tune in at 8 o'clock. We'll be playing that speech live right here on KCBI 90.9. And I'll be providing commentary along with our news team after that speech. It'll be very interesting to see what the president proposes for his final year in office. But this is God and Country Week right here at Criswell College and KCBI. And tomorrow... We uh, This will be the highlight, really, of the week. We kick off the Criswell Theological Lectures. Dr. Richard Land will be speaking. And uh, you've worked with Dr. Land. I'd like for you, Penna, just to tell our listeners about this man, who he is, and what they can expect. 
Well, we're calling him a conservative powerhouse, and a lot of times the media goes to him when they want the uh, viewpoint of a conservative who is a part of a large denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention. So he heads up the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. I'm on the commission. And uh, it's really the arm of the Southern Baptist that speaks to the issues, the the social political issues of the nation. And Dr. Land is a thoughtful spokesperson. He really gives a good argument, I think, one of the best. And I'm not prejudiced, but I am. Uh, He was educated at Princeton and Oxford, and uh, he is going to come in. It'll be a lot of fun because he'll be talking about his book, Divided States, and the God and Country Shouting Match. And if you can carve out time tomorrow morning from 10 to 11 to come to the Criswell College and hear Dr. Land, or Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, or all three, I think it would be well worth your while. He'll also be co-hosting the program tomorrow night. That's right. So let's get this straight. It's open to the public. It's free tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10 o'clock a.m., right here at the Criswell College Chapel, Ruth Chapel. We're at Haskell and Gaston Avenue, or you can go to our websites and check that out. And we'll have a couple of uh, treats tomorrow for you. The first 25 who come, who say they heard about this on Jerry Johnson Live, will get a free copy of our CD, One Nation Under God. And it features that debate with Richard Lamb, David Barton, and Alan Dershowitz, and also has the Newt Gingrich interview. You do not want to miss this CD. For the rest of you, you can get this CD tomorrow uh, for a gift of any size uh, to Crystal College and to our ministry. But uh, we want you to come to these lectures. They're going to be powerful. And all of this we're doing because the Bible says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Jesus said in the New Testament, we are salt and we are light. Christians are to make a difference. We are to shine the light in the darkness. We are to function as salt against the decay and the rot that's going on in our nation. And you can do it. Get involved. Pray and vote. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.